Hello and welcome to another win. Uh, no, wrong show. For the love of <laughs> sports, my name is Michael Raziel. I got my man Jackson Fitzgerald here with me today. This is the show where I get to talk about sports. I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Jackson, how you doing today, buddy? Good, Michael. Thanks for having me. Pleasure is all mine. Very excited to learn a little bit more about Hedge. Jackson is the CEO and co-founder of Hedge. So uh, think Acorn but for fantasy sports, which is really cool, I think. And so I think I'm very excited to jump into that. A little bit about your background. Obviously, you spent some time at Penn State, which I think is pretty cool. They're very no well known for their uh, sports business association and conference and everything they got rocking over there. Shout out our good friend, Alex Scheinman. But first question I have for everybody, Jackson, on the when, uh, what, the, what show am I even doing? I don't even know anymore, man. Sorry. Oh, good, man. First question I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? Oh, man, why do I love sports? So part of it's coming uh, from being raised as uh, around sports, not necessarily professional sports, but I played sports all year round myself. Uh, so I could always appreciate watching NBA games, NFL games growing up. Uh, being from Pittsburgh, it's a sports town, as mm -hmm. you probably know, um, successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, depending on the team and year. Uh, but really, I just love to sort of watch. Uh, I appreciate the games, I think, a lot more now as I'm getting older. Um, Maybe as I'm playing pickup basketball and I can see my prime slowly declining. Uh, no, but I really just love uh, I love the enthusiasm around it for anybody that barely knows sports and people that are playing themselves. So being raised around it, it's easy to love. It's an easy conversation starter, too. That never hurt, right? I right. mean, I, I hate Sidney Crosby, so we can have that conversation all day. He's the, uh, one of the greatest ever. Damn, do I hate Sidney Crosby? He's amazing, but I can't That's, stand the guy. Yeah, and I hate I hate Tom Brady, So, but I respect, I respect him, so it's similar. Yep. Yeah, it's that, um, you know, from Anchor Man. I hate you, but I respect <laughs> you, that whole thing. So that's always exactly. fun. But man, no, I think it is is really cool. And I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about Hedge and, and kind of what you guys are doing and how you did it. So I guess we'll start there. Like usually coming out of college, people look for jobs. They look for opportunities, mm -hmm. internships. Doesn't really look like you had any of those along the way. I guess what, when when was the idea for Hedge, I guess, born? if that's how companies work and, and when did you really decide, like, instead of maybe doing this as a side hustle, making this your full-time, you know, go-to? Sure. Yeah. So I finished up at Penn state in 2019. Uh, and the idea really came from trying to solve problems that I and myself or my, I and my inner circle mm -hmm. of friends had. Uh, so it wasn't really just one of those like, Oh, this should be this for that. Even though it's like you said, Acorn for fantasy sports is a great way to understand it. Uh, it's actually funny when, in 2019, I think it was when UVA won the NCAA championship. Uh, a friend of mine who knows nothing about sports was the only guy who had Auburn in the championship. And if Love you it. remember, they made it to the final four. Uh, and it came pretty simply. He came to me. I was a stat major. And he said, hey, there's probably got to be a way for me to lock in some money here. What do I do? Uh, and I was like, oh, you would just like do this, this or this. Uh, there are different scenarios that you could bet and hedge as it'll come as the name comes around. Uh, and really with that, I realized there are more problems in the gaming industry that as it was emerging, weren't really being solved. You see a lot of companies fighting for market share and maybe innovating here and there, but there's such a wide gap. It's such a big market that little innovations like what we're doing uh, really seem to solve a ton of problems that weren't being addressed. Uh, so coming out of Penn State, uh, I was thinking of doing law school. I still hope to do law school at some point. The advice I got was law school's not going anywhere. Uh, and I had a couple of job offers lined up as well. But after meeting with some people who were sort of more expert in the space in the VC startup space and meeting some potential co-founders who I already knew and I guess convinced them that the problems we were solving were worth solving, uh, it was an easier jump than I guess I thought it was going to be. So summer 2019, um, 
was when we made the jump right after a couple of the guys were in similar spaces. They had jobs, but decided it was the time to time to give it a shot. So hell yeah, man! And in twenty twenty, the whole world shut down. So uh, yeah, great timing. Great, great timing. Great exactly. timing, right? But yeah. no, I think it's awesome. And and hey, man, you have to have you know, no matter what you do as a startup founder, as a business owner, you have to be a good salesman, right? Like you have to convince people to, either to give you money to use your product or to come on board and be, become part of the team. So I think that part is pretty cool. And so, yeah, you know, you kind of said it, I said it a little bit too, you know, it's the, uh, the acorn for fantasy sports, which doesn't like, it makes sense after you explain it, but when you first say it, it's like, wait, what do you mean? How does that work to you? Like, so how uh, you said you were trying to solve these problems, I guess, what was the problem? that you then came up with the solution for? Sure, yeah, so the problem that we saw with the, specifically the spare change roundup uh, function was pretty much twofold. Uh, one, when you look at platforms that do the auto investment, uh, roundup investment, they don't offer great returns uh, often. I mean, that's maybe just a lack of power in the stock market, mm -hmm. unless you throw the spare change at GameStop, but that's a different conversation. That's a different uh, one. Yeah. Uh, we saw the people really like the functionality. They were like, I'm willing to sacrifice my spare change. This is one of the only platforms that I can do it, uh, but it's actually not that exciting. Um, so we thought that maybe tapping into the spare change potential of the excitement of sports, combining the two, uh, really solve the problem of, I wanna use my spare change, but I wanna use it for something fun, something exciting. The other one is you can't really pick where the spare change investments go. It's an auto investment application. And th there's there's no shame in that. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they're really, as, as an auto investment, they're saying, just give us your spare change. We'll take mm -hmm. care of the rest uh, and let it grow. But we were like, well, people sometimes maybe want to decide where they want it to go. Maybe they want it to go on the game tonight. Maybe they want to put it on, I'm a Steelers fan, the Steelers are win the Super Bowl, which then I guess it goes down the toilet. But yeah. uh, it adds an excitement to it. So gamifying spare change is sort of more of the mission um, in what we're trying to do. So. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting, right? Like, you know, it's one of those just you swipe on your credit card and, you know, you got your Chipotle burrito for 840. So you got 60 cents left over, just round up and then it goes through through hedge, correct? So I guess right. how, like, why though? Like, I, I mean, I have DraftKings, I have FanDuel, like, I, I don't know, what's that 60 cents going to do for me? Why do I even care about it? Sure. No, that's a great point. That actually leads into the other problem that we're solving. A lot of people uh, getting into the industry, whether they're 18 years old, just becoming of legal age, uh, whether they move to a legal state, or maybe they're a young adult who's just going to give it a shot, uh, finally jump that gap. Uh, we figured out that really starting off small with just your spare change is a great way to enter the market, learn some of the lingo that's behind, like mm -hmm. if you're betting, uh, what's the spread, oh, what's the money line, all that kind of stuff. Learning with just your spare change, having skin in the game to learn and take those baby steps is a great entry point. So you're right. Sometimes just the spare change uh, isn't what's the point. Why not just make a big bet? But entering the market that way, we think is a great way, as well as there are stores all around. We I shared this this morning. Someone last year had an 89 cent bet. We think that, that was the remainder of their, uh, their mm -hmm. balance, and they decided to throw a Hail Mary with it. But 89 cent bet, 13 of the 14 parlays hit leading into Monday Night Football, where if the Redskins, then now previously the Redskins, now the Washington football team had won, the 89 cents would have turned into $500,000, which uh, talk about spare change changing your life. Uh, that's a potential that no other platform could have. And if we make it seamless for the person where they could trace back, oh, I could turn this Chipotle burrito spare change into $500,000. I think that's well worth it. I think that's well worth it as well. <laughs> I hope that person cashed out because I would not 
have left my money on the football team. You know, the it, it wasn't public after the fact. The, the story that was published was before. Thankfully, it was 13 bets on Sunday and then one on Monday that could turn into a story. Uh, I would have to guess he did, yeah. uh, especially if he was like 23, 24, maybe had rent payments or whatever. Uh, we could do a that, lot more than rent payments with that 14 teams right there. I think that's uh, not too bad. That's true. Rent payment on a uh, on an airliner. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like a yacht or something. That's awesome. Right. And no, man, like, and you know, I, I, I asked that question knowing that I also put dollar bets in like every day for, yeah, these like 12 team or 12 like a couple couple buddies of mine they, they're really big into hockey so they're just like sure let's see who if we can guess a person that scores a goal in every single game and yeah that dollar turns into like 14 grand so I, i'm i'm 100 in on those small amounts of money turning that's not like you're not going to win money doing that way right that's the story sure. that's the one person that does it but it's so much fun man it is so sure. much fun i'm going to do it every single day and i love it and i'm throwing money down the toilet until one day it turns into that 14 grand and it's totally worth it but until then so uh, as you said you know kind of the, the betting aspect of it which has 20 something states legal there's more coming legal pretty much it seems like every other month this year we've already had virginia and michigan become legal yep. what you know as you said you kind of focus on the fantasy aspect of it so the DraftKings, the fan duels the yahoos of the world maybe monkey knife i don't know if you guys they're good they're a great mm -hmm. company as well i guess how how do you even start these conversations or relationships or partnerships and go to them just be like hey we have this idea we want to give you money I, I feel like they're all very open to the idea of either getting more people to sign up or getting more money onto their platform sure yeah so when we go to b2b partnerships we think the best way is to sort of prove the concept in the best way uh, ourselves so we have our own native uh, fantasy sports platform down the road okay. when there are these big companies that already have established state licenses and betting, uh, maybe a larger market share, like you said, DraftKings, Vandals, Monkey Night Fights, all, all of those companies. Uh, it'll be a much easier conversation to go to them and say, a lot of what you're doing is great. Uh, it, we think it's great for maybe 85% of your user base of the 15% that are younger, maybe don't have much money. Uh, they would love this low form, low entry fee uh, functionality. And then to expand your user base as well. I mean, you can look at demographics uh, of like the Penn National Barstool mm -hmm. uh, sports bets. What they have is awesome. And I'm not knocking that. They're just, but just doing sports betting, you're actually going after just 21 plus. And these 18, 19, and 20 year olds who can't get on the platform in almost all of these legal states now that you mentioned, uh, they really can't get the skin in the game on that pl platform like that. So we think it's going to be an easy advantage to say spare change for fantasy or just spare change for your other gaming modes. Uh, it seems a bit to be after we prove it and really work out the kinks of maybe someone doesn't want to automate it as much. They want to use it as a budgeting tool. Uh, it might be seamless to uh, pitch them on that and have them integrate it. Yeah, I think that that aspect of it, too. So where did you guys go first? Do you have to go to the credit card companies, the banks? Uh, like how does that aspect of it work? Because there's only a million credit cards out there, only a million banks right. that you would have to deal with. Like, how, how did you develop those relationships and partnerships on the B2B side? Sure. Yeah, that was actually a tough, uh, tough hurdle to get over. Uh, there are a ton of different partners. So we actually use a very secure third party banking aggregator, Phonicity. I'm sure there are three or four apps that you use them for without knowing. Um, partnering with them and showing how we're meeting with compliance first um, was an easy pitch to have them then say, all right, we're going to allow users to connect their bank accounts um, to your platform securely. Uh, sacrifice that to then connect your spare change. So it wasn't too bad. Looking around the the fintech space for B2B partnerships and connections like that with Finicity or Dwala, who does payment verification, or even just KYC aggregators, which is verifying that a person's a real person and of age, 
uh, it's not too bad once you go through sort of the minutia that is the legal um, the legal minutia of it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that uh, mm-hmm. just taking a lot of time and being just an insane amount of red tape oh, that yeah. you have to kind of jump over, cut through, and get all that bullshit over. But yeah, we had to push launch back a couple months because of it, but well worth it. And it recently goal. launched, correct? Yeah. So for people listening, it launched about a week ago, almost to the hour. Uh, so you can download it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. If you look up Hedge in the App Store, um, you can find it. At first, when you typed in Hedge, the first thing that came up was Hinge. Uh, they smartly nice. said, oh, people are going to uh, misspell Hinge. But after a lot of download, a lot of traffic, a lot of ratings, we are now the first app that you see when you type in Hedge. So give it a look, give it a download, and you can start connecting your spare change. Congrats. You guys got your name. That's awesome. Good oh, yeah. <laughs> and so what um, what's what's that process like? Because, again, we're, we're coming at this from so many different angles. You need to worry about the banking aspect and, and the fintech side. You have to worry about right. the fantasy gaming aspect. You have to worry about the consumer aspect and actually marketing the product to people. Like how obviously, as you said, you started this in 2019. We're only two years later, depending on, you know, when you started in 2019. What is it, 18 months, 19 months? Yep. How how did you go about the marketing to consumer side because again it sounds fun it sounds great but if you're not really hooked up with the DraftKings and the Fandles of the world yet why would someone like myself or somebody listening why do we need to go out and download this right now sure that's a great point yeah it's definitely an uphill battle to get users um we really do want to focus less so on the marketing aspect in terms of just pumping dollars Mm -hmm. into podcast ads radio ads all those things and try to go as organic grow it as organically as possible uh, particularly we're going after a lot of college segments. So using a college ambassador program, a little ground uh, grassroots campaign, ground game is something that we think is the best way to go about it. Uh, one, it'll conserve a lot of money. It'll help us learn a lot about how the users are using it or different iterations that they would want. Uh, a lot of times people just want to pump money into these applications. And sometimes people think that's what FanDuel and DraftKings actually did. But if you look, they actually started really small, mm-hmm. uh, grew, mastered their product. They really started pumping money in when they both had optimized their product and then were fighting for market share. You see they still hold, what is it, 85 or 90% yeah. of the functionality. So, And just like um, if you look at these spare change apps in the fintech industry, like to use their names and sing their praises, Acorns wouldn't consider themselves a Robin Hood uh, competitor. They themselves, even though they invest in almost the same securities, the users use them so differently that it's the same mindset for us. A lot of people actually do have FanDuel and DraftKings with unique functionality. We would see that Hedge would not be actually a competitor with them. It would actually supplement the way they play. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it would be be in addition to, if anything. And yeah, right. I think, you know, one really great book, I'm sure you read it, Billion Dollar Fantasy. Uh, mm-hmm. It really goes over the early years of DraftKings and FanDuel and kind of how yeah, in the beginning, it, there were small teams that were super lean. They were just trying to figure out what the heck they're doing and how they're trying to do it. It's a bunch of people from Europe that were in the betting right. space. And then there's a bunch of dudes up in uh, Boston that are, they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. So these two companies competing, there's actually a third one as well, which was interesting. And then, yeah, then we all remember, I think it was 2013, I think, where every single commercial, every single billboard, if you yep. didn't see DraftKings or FanDuel, it's because you had your eyes closed. Um, but then right. that means they heard you. They got you uh, through your ear holes <laughs> as well. So they were all over the place as we remember. And one thing that I, so I love the the fantasy sports industry, uh, you know, work with, as I mistakenly said multiple times, when Daily Sports, they're doing some incredible stuff in, mm-hmm. in sports betting and fantasy sports. And I love sports betting. Being here in New Jersey, learning more about the industry every day and kind of how it works and why it works and how big it's going to be. I mean, we're, New Jersey's technically the sports betting capital of the United States. Yeah. Uh, over $6 billion in handle last year. I mean, right. $6 billion of bets placed here in the state of New Jersey. What, how, like, how 
like the legality versus the the uh the the fantasy side versus the sports betting side i think again you know your example that you gave us before was sports betting but if i'm not mistaken you guys aren't even technically in that space yet it's just an obvious evolution that will be coming how how much more red tape and legality and bullshit do you have to go through first to get those partners on the on the fantasy side and then eventually to be able to utilize those wallets on the sports betting side as well Sure. It's a ton. And to say if I knew every single one of them, I'd be lying. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) They're a ton. But I mean, you can look at it in terms of uh, the one example I use is betting against the house versus peer to peer betting. If you think about it, fantasy is really just we're setting up a market for people to play with themselves, play against each other versus uh, a sports book requiring so many reserves to meet sort of betting volume, like you said, handle Uh, that alone with a capital requirement um, is as is as good as as big as it's going to get. So these big casinos who have these large balance sheets already have a step ahead of a bunch of people, as well as then the background checks that are then required in the gaming commissions. There are, I think it's 24 states that it's legal to, based on attorney general opinion, to launch fantasy sports, where as long as we meet some cybersecurity regulation, age regulation and things like that, we can launch. We've already launched in those 24 states plus DC, uh, as opposed to then three or four states where it's a free license, where you have to mm-hmm. get background checks for everybody that's technically a regulator uh, within the company, a ton of those, uh, as well as a bunch of other things, how the money flows into the application, within the application, back to the users, things like that. Um, the sports betting industry and red tape requires that for every single state. Each state is different as opposed to the fantasy sports, which actually does a pretty good job of state-to-state regulation. Usually the only changes are age. Uh, Massachusetts is 19, for example. Most states are 18. A couple states are 21. Um, But the nuance gets very weird when it's state-to-state since it is not a federal. It's a federal allowance uh, when passed a few years ago. It's an allowance for the state to ratify uh, licensure, but it is not a one size fits all legislative body. So it's going to be, it's going to be a mess, but we're, we're excited for it. We're yeah. I good. mean, it is, it is so interesting again, being here in New Jersey, we're kind of the sandbox state. Right. Everything's tried here and then it's kind of pushed out around the country. Obviously we've seen uh, Pennsylvania do incredible in terms of handle. Uh, Illinois has, has been fantastic. Uh, I mean, once Texas, Florida, California, New York, once all them get on board, Texas seems to be a little bit further behind the rest of them. Right. Once those them get, once they get on board, it's going to be very difficult for the federal government not to come down because it is, it's very frustrating. Certain States are ran through the lottery. Certain States have like 20 cent lines. And it's yep. just, what that means is like, if you have to put up $120 to win a hundred, where in most cases you put up 110 to win a hundred. And so that doesn't sound like that much, but when you're betting thousands of dollars, that becomes a very big tax, unfortunately. So oh, yeah. it's a, uh, it's really interesting just to kind of see the rollout and everything happening. And over the next three, four, five years, Personally, didn't really want the pandemic to happen, but if we can look at it as a positive, so many of these states unfortunately lost so much money due to taxes and everything that sports betting is going to be an industry that becomes more successful because of it. Because now we're seeing, okay, New Jersey did what in a year where people weren't really allowed outside their houses? Mm. Okay, well, what happens when they can go to the casinos again? What happens when they can, you know, more people talk to more people and they're out of bars? I can't wait to be in a bar on an NFL Sunday. That is going to be electric. I'll watch oh, yeah. at every single game. I don't care. It's going to be so much fun. And hopefully right. I'm going to use Hedge <laughs> to be able to use that bar tab that I just screwed up, be able to pop it right into my account. So we'll see exactly. what happens there. So exactly. you, so Break even's a win, right? Exactly. Hey, man. That, it's fun. Exactly. I had fun and I didn't lose any money. It's a right. good day. It's a good day. So tell me a little bit more. You were kind of explaining it before. 
you you said you have your own fantasy platform. That seems like just another like how many different layers to this business are there, man? Because I understand I understand why it took you guys so long to to be able to finally launch. Like what right. what is the fantasy platform and how how does that run? Sure, it runs like your typical DFS platform. There's nothing too crazy that we're trying to uh, create creative new there. We think the familiar gameplay on your typical DFS sites is great. Salary cap mode, uh, you can pick up to eight athletes depending on the game form. Um, but the user can then play with their spare change in these 10 cent contests or how many ever they want all the way up to $10, maybe up a little bit more as we grow. Uh, we do think it's a supplement to the bot to uh, their budget. Um, so we don't want to limit them. Uh, we figured playing on our platform makes the most sense. Yeah. that that And so now there's like four different avenues that you have to navigate, right? The FinTech right. side, you have to navigate the, you know, the banking and, and that aspect you have to navigate. Now this fantasy sports platform that you've built, then you have to navigate the consumer aspect. Then you have to navigate trying to work with these other fantasy sports platforms. Sure. At what point is it too much? Yeah, I mean, hopefully it depends. Ask me on a certain day and I'll give you a better answer. Good uh, yep. Yeah, but no, it hasn't been too bad so far. Uh, we have a great team. We're really focused on our different verticals. We each have our hands in different pots. Uh, it's a lot easier when you put most of your focus on product that a lot of the stuff, other stuff gets figured out. If you have uh, a critical mass, we say like a small amount of users who really understand that one, the product is where it is. I love it. If they hopefully love it early on, they know the team is going to continually iterate out to meet their needs, meet their wants. Uh, once you have that, as they say, the rest is history. And hopefully then it grows almost organically. Uh, and once you have a great product, the retention goes down, increase goes up. So you have to worry about consumers less. Uh, if you sort of dot your I's and cross your T's, uh, legal side is pretty much taken care of. Uh, we have great partners on the legal side too. So it is a lot. You're definitely right. And I'm sure it's going to get more and more as we scale and maybe add some different functionalities. But right now, focusing on product is something that that helps solve the other verticals. Naturally. Yeah. The, right. the better the product. If you have a good app, people use it. I mean, right. earlier today, a couple of my buddies downloaded an app, a sports betting app. They tried to use it. They said, this is shit. They literally mm -hmm. Im immediately withdrawed their money. And they deleted the app. So that's not a good way uh, for companies to navigate. Obviously, a lot of different right. stuff involved. But as long as you have a good product, I think you're right. And so the thing about it is like, you pick the fantasy sports and eventually it sounds like the sports betting industry. But it seems like this could be used, as you said, just as like a budgetary tool. This could be used for new parents that want to save money for their kid in, in some way, shape or form. And if over 18 years, every single payment that you make, it rounds up to the next dollar and you pop it in an account. Like sure. what are other things that you guys are looking at that you're allowed to tell us, I guess, what are other things that you're looking at to see of ways that this can evolve, become better. And, and you guys can, you know, hopefully cash out one of these days. Right. And part of what you said earlier sort of helps me answer this, where a lot of states during the pandemic have to meet budgetary needs mm -hmm. and they're rapidly legalizing sports betting to, meet those budgetary downfalls. Uh, we see the iGaming industry as something that maybe it doesn't hit the headlines that they should be talking about. Um, one, to figure out the safeguards around it for responsible gaming. But two, if they're trying to increase revenue, uh, iGaming revenue matches that of sports betting. In a lot of states, mm -hmm. it's bigger. I mean, if you look at casino um, casinos around the country, I think slot machines account for 55% of revenue. And so on the other, 45% of that sports betting roulette. Uh, blackjack, mm -hmm. every other poker, every other way they make money combined is still less than slot machines. So when people say sports betting is a way to match the budget, really, I think they're just trying to push sports betting. Uh, that's sort of what people more engage with. But the revenue is really coming from iGaming. So the natural iteration is future iGaming mechanisms where, to use the previous one, your Chipotle burrito turns into a slot machine pole 
or mm-hmm. a roulette spin. If you have a lucky number between one and 36 and you want to throw minus 25, if my spare change goes to number 25 on a roulette spin every time, that's a great way for somebody to get involved uh, with the iGaming space too, because that has a different um, responsibility threshold than sports gaming. So really we see this as if they want to budget and keep responsible in that way, that's a great way too. Yeah, and this, the spare change, we say not the spare change war. I think that's the wrong way to see it because somebody can use multiple spare change apps. Mm-hmm. Really the way that these work is we track your spare change and then pull from it after it reaches a certain threshold as do other applications. Uh, the, 85 billion, it's a, the spare change work, it's an $85 billion market. If you average out how many people have online gaming, or excuse me, online banking, mm-hmm. uh, how many of them then transact a certain amount every day. When you extrapolate that out in the United States, it's about 85 billion, which is right now the sports betting market, 60 billion. Uh, so spare change itself isn't going anywhere. Natural durations to what you said, saving for people for later, iGaming methods, lotteries, state lotteries could easily use something like this. Um, the possibilities are endless. Anything you use to buy, you could use spare change for as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like then you guys picked a good spot. Yeah, iGaming is huge. Not my personal thing, but I know friends that, you know, they, they have their right. DraftKings sportsbook and then they also, you know, hop onto the DraftKings casino, play some blackjack at lunch, win a couple bucks and that's what they're making their bets with that night. So it's uh, it's it's funny how that works. I get a ton of texts randomly and they're like, hey, I need you to respond quickly. Should I split these eights against this 10 or whatever <laughs> it is? I'm like, I, I don't know how I became the blackjack expert, but you can just Google that if you want. Maybe they're yeah. just trying to trying to say hi. So yeah, well, it's a nice way to say hi, right? Hey, man, it I think you can make me money. Uh, <laughs> can you make me money right now? Right, um, exactly. So, Do I double against a hard six, whatever it is? So I have no idea what any of that means. It's just, hey, to each his own as long as you have some fun with it. I mean, obviously, right. you know, as you said, like all of these, companies there's draft it's DraftKings sportsbook and casino it's FanDuel sportsbook and casino it's yep. BetMGM where did MGM come from well it's a gigantic casino in Las right. Vegas right so it's all of these different companies that they have casino backgrounds and understand iGaming's been around much longer than sports betting has oh yeah but this has just brought it I mean I, I totally agree with you iGaming is bigger than sports betting but sports betting is putting a I guess shining a brighter light on it allowing people that like myself like i would never ever use the DraftKings sportsbook or the DraftKings casino part of the sportsbook and casino but i have friends that do and they didn't know that you could until they downloaded the app that says sportsbook and casino on it right so it's uh, it's funny how that works and hey however however these companies need to operate people can win money and then i get the notifications all the time hey here's free five dollars to play blackjacks like no nah, i'm good i don't even want to i'm not right. even trying to go down that route give me another free five dollar bet that's what i'll take. right but exactly wrap that into a future bet or something exactly that's what i like and so what's what's next man what are you guys what are you guys rocking with next i mean you just launched what like t- what are some of the successes as you said you've you get your name in the app store which is pretty sweet so kudos right. and congratulations uh, you've had some reviews you've had some downloads what what has that looked like over the last i think you said week right yeah, correct. It's been about a week. Um, it's been great. I mean, the people that are downloading it, what we're really trying to do is connect with them. Another thing that we see is customer experience and customer support is lacking on a lot of these platforms. Sometimes they're just too big. Um, so we're really trying to engage with our early users, mm-hmm. almost text them or talk to them or call them or email them saying, hey, thanks for signing up. Thanks for being part of the Hedge community because the community is a big part of it as well. Uh, and learning from them saying, what do you think we could change? What was your experience like? What could make your experience better? Uh, so right now, just trying to maximize the people that we have. Um, I, I could tell you the number of downloads from a few days ago. I think we had like 300 in the first 24 hours, which was great. Yeah. A lot of family and friends in a lot of Pennsylvania, New Jersey, but there's a starting point everywhere. And mm-hmm. learning from them who are who have been playing on the FanDuel's and DraftKings forever, um, bring their expertise over here and we'll help 
will help make their experience just as good or if not better and better than the other ones. So really, really trying to engage with the early cons uh, consumers is the first and next step. Those are the future steps. Then attaining a user base, trying to keep steady growth, retention, all that kind of stuff uh, is always fun. I love it. And as you already alluded to, the the college ambassador market, yeah. I think, is is an incredible way of going about it. Um, definitely, if you haven't reached out to Alex Scheinman, he did some pretty pretty great stuff uh, oh, yeah. over there at Penn State. So it sounds like you guys are you're very familiar. He's he's a really good dude. He was actually on the show, and so was his oh, dad. No way. His dad was on the show too. His dad is incredible. They both are incredible family. Yeah. They're doing some cool stuff. And then I think Jake is, is a Snapchat or something. He's doing some cool shit. That whole family's nuts, man. I'm yeah. Very oh, they're they're, they're killing it. They're, I know, they're I'm, amazing. I'm people. trying to think which one uh, I know decently well because yeah, the one is very much more much involved with the Penn mm -hmm. State uh, business conference. Yeah, that's Alex. Uh, yeah. One of our co-founders, I think, is good family friends with them. Cool. Uh, I think he's a Philly guy, correct? Uh that's a good question. I hope not. That would kind of suck. <laughs> Nah, I kid. Yeah, I kid, no, they're, they're great guys. Penn State yeah. for really, uh, mm -hmm. there's a strong bond going out. So, hell yeah. Well, congratulations to you guys. And earlier this morning, as of recording, this is the 25th of February, you just won the FSGA, you said, right? FSGA yeah. uh, pitch competition. What? Yeah. How, how was that, man? That's got to be a pretty cool accomplishment. Again, you know, a week into the finally launching this thing, and now you're you're winning you're winning pitch competitions. I know. Yeah. So, the FSGA is great. Uh, they're the trade association of the fantasy sports industry. They were used to be the FSTA. Uh, now they're the FSGA to expand to, like you said, sports betting, sports gaming, all that kind of stuff. They said a great, uh, they had a, usually it's a great conference that you can either go to. I think last year was in Las Vegas or two years ago now was in Las Vegas. Um, it was a great, there are some great companies on the competition. We're blessed to and honored to have one. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was a three minute pitch, felt like 30 seconds, uh, jumped on minimal technical difficulties, which is nice when you're jittery for a pitch. I think the video is on there somewhere. You can see me rocking the same sweater that I'm wearing now. Nice. Uh, just talking about it in a more uh, broader sense. I tell a nice story about some users and it was a really cool thing. It was, I'm glad we won. Uh, kudos to the team for everything that we've done so far to sort of share the metrics with our success in winning that pitch competition and hopefully one of many, right? I hope it's it's many, many, many. You guys become extremely rich and famous, and I can say I remember Jackson when. <laughs> wow, that was cool. We had a great conversation, and now he's running, running the spare change world. Only uh, you know, eighty five billion dollars worth. So, Jackson, this is right. awesome, man. Where um, so where can we download the app? Where can we follow you? Where can we follow Hedge? Find out more information. Give me all that information if you can. Sure. Give us a Twitter follow at Hedge underscore Sports. Uh, same with Instagram, Hedge underscore Sports. You can look us up online. We have a landing page, uh, Hedge Co. Uh, HTTPS back double backslash hedge.co. You can look us up in the app store at hedge uh, or give me a follow on Twitter. I think it's Jay Fitzgerald 25. Uh, add me on LinkedIn for anybody trying to talk about the industry. Um, those are the main ones I can think of or add, follow me on Instagram, I guess. Whichever. I'm always so happy to hear from people. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, as you said, you're already texting your users. Hopefully, we can get you a couple more, uh, some some new friends to add to the yeah. phone. So I guess uh, one last little, little piece I want to talk about again. It's just sure. the... So, you know, the, the goal, you're in the spare change industry, you created a sports, you know, fantasy sports platform. And I know I kind of asked the question before, when is too much, but how do you, like, as you said, you have to create a good product. Well, which product is number one, right? Like you need the fantasy sports aspect because you need, you want the, uh, the opportunities I'm assuming down the road with DraftKings and FanDuel, yeah. but you need the spare change aspect because that's kind of how the business works. So at what point does the fantasy sports aspect kind of fall by the wayside? Like how, how is that, that aspect of it going to work? Cause I feel like after so long, it's going to be difficult to maintain two high level aspects of this business. Sure. Um, maybe that's me being, I'm not, I'm not a pessimistic person. I believe I'm a pretty positive person, but sure. almost like kind of the, 
the ideas of both, not that they can't, you know, kind of coexist and it seems like they will, and it's going to be awesome. I, it just seems like it's, yeah, as I said, too much, like how, at what point do you kind of say like, all right, we, we use this fantasy aspect of it just to get people involved. Now we don't need to do this anymore. Now DraftKings or FanDuel can come take over. Like, how do you, how do you look at that side of it? Yeah. And it's tough. It's one of those things where it's so circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly, honestly can't give you a good answer. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I mean, I really hope that people use the f- spare change functionality as I said to supplement what they're already doing. Um, maybe when enough early users almost see it as a, uh, the easiest entry point across the industry. I mean, we would love for hedge to be the first spare change one in the market, but if people are using their spare change for something else, something better worthwhile, um, all the better. We can't, we can't take people away from that, but yeah, we'll figure it out. We have a great team who's very flexible. As you said, uh, hopefully we'll figure it out on the fly. Uh, hopefully to keep the gaming, we want to keep the gaming experience top level Mm -hmm. uh, and maintain the minimum standard that is the spare change uh, functionality. If we have to automate that down the road, we will. Um, but keeping the gaming functionality, I think, tip top is the best thing we can focus on. So to your point a little bit about which one to focus on more, which one's more important, probably the gaming side. But yeah, because I guess that's true. Like with the spare change side is if you're you're partnering with all these fintech companies that can kind of maintain that aspect of it, then it's really just making sure that the fantasy side works and is good. And as you said, is top level. So yep, good stuff, it. man. This is awesome. Make sure I'll have the all your socials and the website in the show notes. Also, if you can send me over, I guess like a iTunes, like an i iTunes. What they they died? <laughs> um, like a Play Store. Are you even on Google? Actually, no, we're not. So no, our okay. web application will be ready for, uh, probably by this weekend. So anybody okay. that has Android can do it on Safari or Chrome on their phone. But it is iOS specific. So. Okay, cool. So send me over a link where people can click that and download that. I think that would be pretty cool. But sure. Jackson, this was great, man. Appreciate you coming on the show today, bud. Yeah, thanks, Michael. Nice talking to you. Congratulations, too, on your pitch competition. Great job, team. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun. Good stuff.